Welcome to Afterlives with Kara Cooney, in which we discuss ancient Egyptian history and relevant current events that we think will be of interest to our audience. I am Kara Cooney, and I'm a professor of Egyptology at UCLA. This podcast is separate from my teaching and research roles at UCLA. In recent years, I've become active in communicating with the general public about the history of ancient Egypt through lectures, interviews, social media, books, and guest appearances. This podcast is my opportunity to take the kinds of deep dives into history that are not always possible in academic formats. Hey guys. We, we had a wine emergency. We had a wine emergency. Kara tried to serve me. Hey, I'm here. I'm ashamed. It's horrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, now we're better. Um, we had a wine emergency. We started with a fit wine. You guys know that low sugar crap that had been in the freezer and then was transferred to the fridge and it was really bad and had sediment. and It was weird. And then we tasted it just to make sure. Yeah. And it was no good. And so then I'm like, no. <laughs> How's everyone doing? on their Friday. Happy Veterans Day. Okay, well, um, thank you all for joining us. Um, I know it's a Friday, so I think we have a smaller group. Some people are still at work and such today, so we're obviously recording and we'll release this after the fact so everyone who can't join us today can hear what we all talk about. But I think today's theme, uh, we're, we're going for a tut theme. So we obviously solicited questions from um, the patrons, and I have them here. Um, but if you didn't, we'll start with your questions, obviously, and I'll pepper in some that we have from other patrons as well. But we want to talk all things Tut. I'm sure you all saw the centennial celebrations um, over the past week. And RC was having a couple celebrations um, in Luxor. There was a Luxor conference. There was an opera. There was an opera. Yeah. Um, was, it, was it an opera that there was actually? They're doing the was opera in front of, of the Jill opera. Bakri, yeah. I thought it was, what was in front of Luxor Temple? There was some yeah, other. They did like the reception dinner. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I'll pull one from, I'll start. Okay, so Kip asks, I have always suspected that I took the tomb of Tutankhamen for himself and buried Tut in a smaller tomb for a vizier, namely himself, right? So essentially Tut and I switched tombs. Mm -hmm. um, further, I buried Tut as quickly as possible to cement his claim to the throne before Hormheb, the more likely successor returned from campaign. Mm -hmm. What do you think of this theory? What do you think? I mean, it's a good option mm -hmm. i think but my question is what other vizier tombs do we have in the valley um oh vizier tombs the valley Any? you know you have amenhotep's son of hapu but his tomb's not there it's just yeah no all the other he's got a temple are all in the you, nobles tombs you have you and tuya but they're just in-laws mm -hmm. um there's no vizier there um so yeah and i would i have been having getting a tomb there anyway. Yeah, my hair freezer, 18th Dynasty, Hatshepsut, and he's a royal fan bearer connected to the king's right side. That's different too, yeah. not a vizier. Viziers aren't meant to be in the ballot. And maybe you could argue like Tut comes to the throne, he's young, maybe I is having a more dominant role. So he takes the opportunity to put his tomb in the valley. And well, then when Tut dies, he's like, okay, yeah, you can just go in that tomb and I'll take your nice royal tomb. Yeah, all bets are off when you're dealing with a young boy king who can't make decisions on his own. And when you've not unusually passed authority on to a woman from the royal family. What usually happens in the 18th dynasty is when the dynasty is weakened, you let a woman rule. So that's what happened with Hatshepsut. That is what happened arguably, very arguably with Nefertiti, if she was co-king and then soul king, right? Yep. It's what should have happened with Ancus and Amun, Ancus Pa'atnez was, yeah. um, with uh, the weakened end of the 18th dynasty, but it's not what happened. What happened was instead of a Zir slash military coup takeover, starting even while the boy King Tut was, was too young to make mm -hmm. any moves on his own. So, um, yeah. So I, I think it's a, a Reason so then here's yeah, my, go, yeah go, okay go. so here's more counter to this idea yeah why does it go to the right like all the women's tombs do wait we're going to tut wait go back go back go yeah back. so if tut's tomb was originally a vizier's tomb eyes tomb <laughs> no no but but i think they're you know also asking if eyes tomb was originally tut's tomb yes. in the western valley yes. and that one does go to the it's left. a normal king's tomb which right. makes sense a3 was buried in the western valley right not weird that maybe tut would continue this legacy right but I'm saying if Tut's tomb then was originally meant to be a vizier's tomb. Oh, yeah, I think that's Why bullshit. does it go There's to... There's no evidence for it. 
uh, the right. And to people who don't know, going to the right is the more female tomb direction. Men's tombs go to the left, female tombs go to the right, which is more to this Nick Reeves's idea of originally this being for a female. But and and yet that right left thing, in my opinion, is just one tiny part yes. of larger circumstantial arguments. Yeah. Unless somebody say, "How dare you make a circumstantial argument?" I'm sorry. What the f is archaeology then? And ancient history, but a giant collection of circumstantial arguments. Well, because what else do we? Hundreds of certain circumstantial evidence. You can't ignore it. Exactly. Well, and, and, and what does that even mean? You know, the male female, you know, divergence of how to construct a tomb. Yeah. Right versus left, if you're male or female identified. What does that it's even mean? It's a pattern that's largely been identified by Nick Reeves in conjunction with yeah, I wonder his how many theory. Things follow this pattern. I don't know. I wouldn't hang my hat on any of that right left business. There's some things right. where, and I'll tell Nick this myself, I'll be like, hey, totally behind your theory, totally agree. Don't put all of your eggs in the basket of right left. <laughs> right. Or, hey, totally love your theory. Don't put all the eggs in the basket of what the face looks like in terms of style. Yeah. Because right. those are things that are incredibly subjective. They're not slam dunks and we don't have any way of absolutely proving it. Yeah. Whereas other elements of this theory, you bring them together and you're like, ah, okay. And I think the right left stuff is very early 18th dynasty. Yeah, I agree. With yeah. like Hatsuki's tomb as and the princess. other princess or, yeah. queen's tombs yeah. we have in the larger Theban region. All of the queen's tombs always go to the right. So yeah. they're basing it off this, which I don't know, like, what other queen's tombs do we have from the late 18th dynasty? So like, as comparanda. Yeah. None. No, we have 19th Nefertari trends, right. You have other valid queen's trends, right. You have Hatshepsut up in the no, like late 18th dynasty queens. Like, where's, like, T's tomb? You know, well, like, Dira Bahari 320 could be such one yes. such queen's which, tomb. But that's so right. early late 17th, early 18th dynasty, presumably Arguably, or, yes. origin. Yeah. So we don't and have any... And could even be Nefertari's tomb. Yes. But yes, I agree. But we don't have any, like, contemporaneous mm -hmm. female tombs of the late 18th dynasty. Like, does Amarna, like, what do the female tombs look like at Amarna? Or They're all they have, in the royal tomb. Or, like, you would have shared the tomb with your king. Yes. And had, like, an offshoot, you know. So, yeah, it complicates things. It does. But I think... I mean, it's a good supposition that maybe Tut's tomb was originally some someone else's smaller tomb. It's small. It could have been, I mean, a family member, you know, or someone of the court. Yes. And then I took his tomb and then just shoved it in there. Or it's the front foyer. But anyway. Yes. See, but but anyway, I mean, the dead do not bury themselves, and the idea that I or I's entourage took over a tomb to bury I is completely possible. And I don't know what kinds of work has been done on the on the paintings in the tomb mm -hmm. of I to see if anything was painted there previously. Mm -hmm. Because the, the stuff that Nick has just recently shown us with the cartouches being redone and one being able to see very clearly that there was an I name that was replaced by a Tutankhamun name. If that kind of work could be done in the tomb of I, yeah. with the same kind of factum art precision yeah of scanning to be able to see that, that would be really interesting because yeah. I, I want to make this point. I doesn't reuse statues by and large. Yeah, all them Gorham have reuses everything he can them. get his hands on. Mm -hmm. I is like, I'm going to let touch statues breathe and be, and I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that bad guy, but the dead do not bury themselves. You could have had a tomb more or less. There's not many paintings in there. You could have a tomb more or less complete for Tutankhamen, redo some cartouches and you can put I in there. And then they, it, it's completely possible that that or that was in kept his and, lifetime if he yeah. knowingly buried Tut in his old tomb, right? And he's like, "I'm going to usurp and take over King in right. his old yeah. tomb, yeah, as king now, and it's unfinished." Yeah, you know, you can easily maybe like scrape off the completely the old paintings. Do you think you, you have? He was an older man though, so maybe Easy. he doesn't know how long he's going to live to complete this. The last guy, the last podcast that you guys um, published, you know, was talking about recommodification. And I think that that's what we have here. Yeah, Tut was not intended for that burial, whether it was a vizier or whomever, yeah, uh, or if it was you know the the preceding chambers for Nefer Nefertiti, you know, behind the mysterious painted wall, the Western Wall. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's it is all about re-commodification. And for somebody who does coffin reuse, it's completely clear because yeah. all of the coffins and even the mask are all reused mm -hmm. from somebody else, mm -hmm. probably an Ankepru ray. This fits into it too. And why this makes people so crazy, I don't know. But yeah. Has anyone here submitted a question they have on the list that we want to talk, we want to go through theirs first? Top right. Jim, do you want to go? Yeah, sure. Um, thanks. Uh, the the question I'd asked was really about, um, you know, kind of the, the quantity and, you know, maybe quality or lavishness of the funerary items and grave goods and Tutankhamun's tomb. Is, like, just, do we know, like, you know, to the best of my knowledge, nothing like that to that degree has been found anywhere else. Do we have a sense for how it would compare to, you know, like a more, I don't know, like a more powerful or more... Grand fees, the second or something, yeah. More, uh, um, prestigious pharaoh you know it's mm -hmm. so, a great question yeah i can hit this um pretty hard my bat because i'm working on a book called recycling for death right now which is all about the coffins in the royal cash and i'm looking at those coffins not for attacks not for um iconographic information which is what egyptologists usually do but instead looking for craft specialization uh carpentry modifications of wood and reuse and all of these coffins that kings were buried in are modified in some way. Some of them were originally made for kings and those that were originally made for kings all date pre-19th dynasty. Mm -hmm. There is not one king's coffin that dates 19th or 20th dynasty, arguably. I think from the, the style, from the, the type of coffin it is, not one. So you've got Tutmos III, Ramses II, coffins that they were buried in, not their original coffins necessarily. We can't really know. Uh, second Henry Tao has such a royal coffin. I would argue it's Amenhotep III in date, which is like, what? When you look at the eyes mm -hmm. and things, it's a discussion mm -hmm. for another day. But that means that the coffins that are, that are made of wood, that are reused, are only 18th dynasty. And, and then I'll bring another um, circumstantial datum which is that Merneptha in his tomb, we do know, had how many nesting sarcophagi? But they were stone. I don't know how many numbers. Nesting stone sarcophagi. He had four. fucking four nesting stone sarcophagi. How you put those into one another? We do not know. We, how do you, how do you, do you lip them and nest them and then put them in? How do you get them into one another? There's been arguments about whether or not one was superfluous and wasn't needed yeah. because of how, why, how can you have four? But they put these things together and Ted Brock, um, rest in peace. He was working on these when he died. Um, not when, but in the, yeah. you know, and, um, and he's, he indicates that all four of them fit together. One of them, of course, is in the, mm -hmm. the tomb of Tanis of Suseni's Pasebaha Niyut. And, um, and the, the idea that you would have four nesting stone sarcophagi in a 19th dynasty king's tomb post Ramses II indicates to me that you are putting inside of that nesting set some really awesome shit that needs to be protected. And so I take these two circumstantial data points. One, that we only have 18th dynasty wooden coffins that are stripped of all of their gold. Mm -hmm. And two, that you have 19th dynasty, not shrines, you have shrines made of stone in a sense. And you put those two things together and it means to me that the 19th and 20th dynasty kings had nesting coffin sets that were solid gold through and through, solid silver gold, whatever, through and through with all the jewels and all the stuff. Now, one thing, and you can jump at me, hold yeah. on. There, there are archaeologists and Egyptologists who say, no way. One of them would be Peter Lacavara. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of who else. But they're like, no, no, no. The stuff that 19th and 20th is not as nice as what you have in Tutankhamun. Yeah. The Tutankhamun jumps the shark. He's like the top of the wave. He's got the best stuff. I, the dad I'm working with disproves that, in my opinion. Yeah. But my on. thing is, okay, maybe their coffins are gold or silver, mm -hmm. but I don't think they're getting all the daily life goods. You have a completely arguable point. Right. Because now, they're more open, they're more accessible. It's all everything's contained within those nesting sarcophagi. Yeah. But nothing else, presumably, like tut. We have chariots, we have beds, we yeah. have yeah. all his mounds and mounds of linen and And we all have these evidence things. for this for private tombs at Thebes as well. Mm -hmm. It's very much a Theban question. Thebes is what we have best preserved. Okay, fine. So we're not talking about 
Saqqara as much or Tanis. We don't even have any burials, right? Except for the royal ones. We don't have private elite. But so if you're looking at elite burials from the 18th dynasty to the 19th dynasty, you see a massive shift yeah. in that 18th dynasty tombs like Khan Mary in now in the Museo Egizio, once Hatnofer. in yeah, Hatnofer of, um, of uh, Hatshepsut's time period. Yeah. Um, you have in the your all work of, depends on this all of the linens all of the all sheets all i was the going through textiles actually yeah, yeah. um yesterday yeah and recording all of them and going through them in just detail and just he has mounds and mounds and mounds of both you know like hundreds of loincloths like 400 but then also like all these tapestry roman yeah. ro woven things yeah. and you know beautiful pieces so and the chariots Those disappear. And, like the mannequin maybe that's the a mannequin, thing to put the clothing yeah, on for the yeah, next day Food, mm -hmm. oils, wine, all these things disappear in the 19th. So the argument that I make in the book Recycling for Death is that that shift is the beginning of a defensive shift because end of the 18th, they were already starting to steal shit. Mm -hmm. Akhenaten's uh, crisis had created a moment in which the necropolis security was threatened. And so people are like, I'm not going to put sandals and linens in my tomb because they're still good in 100 200 years interestingly enough there's bundles of rolled up uh folded loincloths yeah. in cuts tomb that someone had bound up to not, take yes huh. not original like they had put them in a pile and then took a piece of linen and wrapped them up and when carter and then went in they found them still yeah like they were good because they're so easily recommodifiable yeah one brilliant them. defensive strategy that the Egyptians hit upon at the end of the 18th into the 19th mm. is to be like, anything we take into our tomb is marked as a tomb thing. Yeah. And we put all the texts on it. We, we make it a ritual thing and we activate it with ritual because people are less willing to touch something that's been marked in that particular yeah. way. So they're like, oh no, we're not going to go there. That's too much. But it doesn't work, of course. <laughs> the reuse starts going off the charts. But if you're going to make everything religious, that doesn't mean that you can't put incredibly valuable religious things into yeah. your tomb. And so then I would encourage you to look at something like the the room of gold in Nefertari's tomb, front room. It's kind of a monochromish. There's not as much blue and green in it. Yeah. That front area or in um, Seti the first tomb, there's like this room of gold, which is like an orpiment, yellow ochre sort of room without as much blue and green. And it shows on the bottom area, all of the religious things you would bring in the tomb. Yeah. And it's got no daily life type no, stuff. It's all religious implements. Yeah. yeah. And so it's not, it's not like there wasn't expensive shit in this tomb. Yeah. It's, it's different, different shit. And that doesn't, so how are we gonna measure these things in terms of which is more awesome than another? The 18th dynasty is so very different from the 19th. Mm. 19th and 20th fit together more or less as a package. Okay, but so do you but, think mm. like A3's burial, Amenhotep III, yeah. do you think that was like way more luxurious than Tut's? No. No? I Maybe. I think- My thing is like his tomb was bigger. Tuts his was tomb like was bigger. Packed. Yeah, it's packed, but maybe Amenhotep III's tomb had everything in its place and slots. a place for everything. I don't think Amenhotep III had a reused coffin ensemble. Yeah. I think he had his own. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if he had two nesting solid gold coffins rather than just one. Mm -hmm. I don't think he had a reused sarcophagus. Yeah. But in terms of like all the same stuff, maybe. Probably, presumably. And he had, so yes, nicer, yes, because his women, and I mean that in the derogatory sense, because this is what patriarchies do they commodify women. So his women would have also been in that tomb and they would have had their materials. In that yes, tomb. that's fair. So there were yeah. more people. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. maybe tuts, but times. Yeah. Like the same types of objects, but maybe two or three yeah, each maybe. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe two chariots or two yeah. beds and stuff like that. Like one of the objects that's the most interesting to me is the coffin of Tutmos the mm Third, -hmm. made for a king, probably gilded twice, maybe covered with a gold sheeting first, removed, then gilded again with a very thin gilding that's then removed again which indicates that that coffin though it's decorated on the inside for Thomas the third it shows clearly that it was cut back on the yeah. inside that that interior cannot have been decorated at the time of Thomas the third mm -hmm. and so that coffin could have been on Hotep the thirds i don't think it is it doesn't look like it in terms of the face but it could have been on Hotep the seconds it could have been all kinds of different kings in the same way that the coffin that Ramses the second is buried yeah. in 
it looks like a post-amarna coffin. Yes. It could yeah. be eyes coffin. It, and Nick Reeves argues that it's Warren Hep's coffin. Yeah. yeah. That, piece, that one especially. You look oh. at it and you're like, that's Tut's face. It is. Yep. It is. It could have been how a much, coffin for Tut. It could have been. How much yeah, do we I know about, uh, my apologies, how much do we know about like Old and Middle Kingdom? How much just like, whether it's, you know, daily use stuff or lavish stuff was, was buried in tombs? I mean, Middle Kingdom, we have all those two models you might have have for seen elites. at the Mets for elites, but we don't have any other royal. Middle Kingdom, we have some of the princess diadems and stuff found around right. some of the pyramids, but mm. we don't have any other kings. Joser, you've got a sarcophagus. Yeah. Uh, Khufu, you have a sarcophagus. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> mom, maybe you could look at yeah, Paris and stuff. Paris. Yeah, um, you have some furniture. Um, but, I'm I'm sure there were treasures like mm -hmm. that. I'm sure there were daily life things in those tombs. Um, but there's no like like checklist. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I'll make sure the king's buried with mm -hmm. X amount of these and these, and you know, like check, check, check. We don't have no, so we don't know. No, yeah, how would have changed from and Middle Kingdom? They're like, you don't get to know anything. Yeah, <laughs> but you have the queens and the princesses who do yes. have jewelry, mm -hmm. and they do have some tomb goods. Yep. And Mantua the second, you've got some sarcophagi mm -hmm. and remnants of coffins. If we found them today, we would have better preservation. But um, it's not a lot. There's really not a lot. The best, the next best place is Tanis, 21st Dynasty. Yeah. Unfortunately, none of the wooden coffins survive. But yeah, but nothing earlier. No, at all. Oh, Hor. Well, that's yeah. Oh Ibre Hor. Oh, okay. Yeah. 13th Dynasty dude. Yeah. Um, it's... and you have his tomb. The the Oh Ibre Hor's. Who doesn't like to say Hor? Right. So that's the guy's <laughs> name. Horus, if you like. I'm sorry. I know. I'm so <laughs> um, he's a beautiful wooden statue. Yeah. Shows him naked. And it's got the Ka arms on his head. Yeah. So if you do a Google search right now for a statue of Hor, H-O-R, really nice Cairo Museum, with the inlaid eyes, you will die. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. That was found in a double tomb where his Ka oh. was buried on one side and his body was buried on another. Um, and so we have something like that. And then you have the Joe Wagner tomb, Seneb Kai. Uh, yeah. yeah. Seneb Kai's royal burial, yeah. intermediate like, period again. Yeah, not like you know, or anything. No. Yeah. So no. we don't have a lot of super frustrating. Yeah. But as That's I said, on a, so, you know, popular. And as I said, in another podcast today where people are like, how dare they take the treasures of the King? I'm like, look, if you're going to bury yourself with solid gold coffins of 269 pounds. Bad. You are totally asking for, it. I mean, <laughs> you had it coming. What did you think looting, was going to happen? People were looting. I just listened to a podcast about like body snatchers for like medical industries. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're always looting bodies. That's just flesh and bone. Yeah. They're not useful. Awesome. Thank you so much. I yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll go to another question from that was submitted. Okay. Nikita asks, do you think Tut was a, sim on a similar vein was a, a significant ruler or is his importance solely based on the fact that we have found his tomb? Um, would we only briefly acknowledge him as a short-lived son of Akhenaten if his tomb was not preserved? I mean, like, say if we found it and it just empty. Yeah, of course. Like, would we be talking about him for a whole week and celebrating his centennial and all this kind of stuff? I mean, I think we know the obvious answer. No. no. <laughs> yeah, right? So the answer is no. This this says more about us than it does about him. them. Um, the easy and... Uh, Blythe answer is to say that the only reason we know about Tutankhamun is because the Egyptians forgot about him. He was so unimportant that they covered over the entrance to his tomb with the debris of Ramses VI's tomb. And then when the 20, late 20th and 21st dynasty leaders of Thebes started to go systematically through the Valley of the Kings and Drabal Naga and all of these other elite tombs, they didn't know to look for him. They didn't know that he existed or maybe they knew and they're like, ah, it's not, it's just some little guy. We don't really care. Well, they forgot where he's buried. He's, he's that unimportant if you like. Um, however, his reign falls in an incredibly interesting time period in Egyptian history in which his father had just created this entire, in my opinion, toxic first monotheism trying to create a top-down fanatical religious imposition on his elites. So so, yeah. so one of the questions in the chat I can see here is that oh, yeah. what's the relation, religious relationship between Tut and Akhenaten and restoring 
So Tut, we have restoration stelas and stuff, but Tut in later King's lists still gets Removed. messed yeah. meshed into the, the heresy, right? He still right. is chiseled out. He's not viewed by later kings as the actual restorer of of normalcy. Right. It's so even though he's unimportant, boy king, we would, you know, the Egyptians didn't know to go look for him. His place in history is a linchpin of change. It is, it is a it is a hard left turn into something different, trying to go back, trying to make Egypt great again, if you like, from a lot of big changes that had come before. And so religious changes, I mean, you see Tut, um, how, in terms of like Egypt's religious place, he or his regime or whatever. Yeah. His, his cabinet is trying to bring it back to, I would say even like pre T4, like pre any God, you know, back to like the good old standard Amun and, we would never. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with Jordan. You know, you've got, you know, this this kid basically who died 19, 20 years of age, whatever. Is he going to have that emotional and theological connection to bring back the old days, you know, to, to bring back the former gods? No, he's being guided. Yeah. He's being it's totally awesome. manipulated by by the priests who want their jobs back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sure. Well, and then like, you know, if he doesn't want like a coup and stuff, he's going right. to go along with them. And, and so this is another you know, you pattern. To keep your people happy. <laughs> I know I keep um, flogging my book, Recycling for Death, but there's a chapter in there at the end where I talk about who was brought with the high priests mm-hmm. who were doing all of this recommodifying and who was left behind. And these high priests did not try to find Tutankhamun. They were not interested. Maybe they knew who he was. Maybe they didn't. They did find Amenhotep III, and they left him behind. They're like, he gets to stay with Amenhotep II and KV-35. We don't want anything to do with him. No. I, we, you know, he, he's also left behind. He's not brought with yeah, him to TT-320. We don't even know where he is, right? Yeah. So he's that unimportant. And that pattern fits with the same pattern that Jordan was just talking about in terms of the king list that's found in the tomb of Seti the first in particular. There's other king lists that we could talk about, but temple. Uh, sorry, temple at Abydos. That that Tutankhamun I Amenhotep the third is in the king list, but Tutankhamun and I are not in that king list. They're just left out and Akhenaten obviously. So that idea of the he, fanatical he religion pushed into that. They're, they're a part and of like, that. Presumably, yeah. yeah, he starts this restoration. Yeah. But with all things political, we know you don't see the ramifications of that until many years down the line. Yeah. And I think since he died so young, then he just kind of gets pushed away into with Akhenaten, where maybe if he had lived to his like 40s and 50s and he mm-hmm. was longer around to see it kind of come back to normalcy, yeah. he might have been able to redo his legacy. But since he died so young, I got to take all the credit for it. And I didn't get the credit because well, Horm he had, dies so young too. And then Horm had comes so in. old, but only after a few yeah. years. And so Horm had comes in, in and he's like, I'm starting this new thing, arguably beginning of the 19th dynasty. And the 19th dynasty being very different from the 18th. Yeah. Military, not family run. Women have very little place. They're not there as, as power placeholders. The sisters of the king are not married to him. If they are, we don't see them. They're not important. In the 18th dynasty, they were everything. The daughters of the king used to be incredibly important. They're not important in the 19th and 20th in the same way. Yeah. So it's a, it's a huge shift. And I just wrote an article for the Oxford History of the Ancient Near East. Um, big, thick volumes. And I think the second one, is it the third volume I'm in? I'm in the third volume. The third volume has just come out. And it's a history of the Ramesid period. Mm-hmm. And one of my main points is that you can't write a history of the 19th and 20th dynasty using models of the 18th, which Egyptologists try to do all the time. They're like, well, in the 18th dynasty, this happened. And you're like, so? 19th dynasty is a totally yeah. different thing. It's like saying, oh, Sisi's going to do this because Mubarak did that. Uh-uh. It's not going to work that way. These are different anything, regimes. It's reactionary. Yes. You know? It's not going to work that way. Things so that's the, the, that's the way I like to look at this time period. Chunagaman is at the fulcrum. He's at the shift. And he's a baby. Mm-hmm. And he's not making any decisions. Have any power but he grew up with this religion but that and but he's doesn't have enough time for you to like see it through yeah. right you know even if yeah yeah so in the same way that if nefertiti were sole king after she did not have enough time no. 
to bring things back to the traditional places. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I asked the question because I find that so fascinating. It's like all of a sudden, like the names change and like, oh, we're back. And you're like, wait, what happened there? Yeah, yeah exactly. everyone's set up and Ray, you know, they're like, we're going to follow Hormhead. That's our dude. He's set up and Ray. We're all going to be set up and Ray and set up and something. It's crazy. What's like all the Republicans now, like yeah. Trump, like yeah. who? Oh, we don't like him anymore. But the, but they all want to be like Reagan. So Reagan is their, <laughs> is their Hormhead, yeah. right? Reagan's Hormhead. And they all like look to that and tax cuts are evil and yeah. wh- whatever. You know, you're putting prisoners out there on the streets. The prime interlude, crime. they're all trying to, you know, be like, oh, we weren't, yeah. we weren't, we didn't support him. Yeah. Yes. Did you guys see the other question in the chat? Yes, no. I actually am oh, very- she saw it? I don't yes. see shit. I'm very um, <laughs> excited about the other question in the chat, Michael, because I encountered this yesterday when I was looking through What's data. The question? I can't read So that. if the tomb had been discovered today, um, would that have made a difference in what could have been preserved or recorded beyond what Howard Carter managed to do? And the answer is hell yes. I was going to say hell's yes too. Oh, we're twinsies. Um, so yes. A million times yes. And because let- I was looking through the linen stuff yeah. and so many times on his little tiny note cards, he goes, too degraded, discarded. Oh. <laughs> and they just threw pieces of linen away. And, the whole- and they were spraying like cellulose on everything. They were just like cellulose here. Spray a little cellulose there. Wax here. It is cellulose? Just like stabilizes it, I guess. Because oh it's like starch, right? They starched yeah. all the linen, essentially. Oh, okay. They just okay. Like starch on everything to like keep it together. Well, well like, just the idea that the body is in 10 or 12 like pieces. Ripping, they had to rip them out of the coffin. I would like yeah. to see <clears throat> They would just CT scan, like what Turin, Museo Gizio in Torino did with Ka. But you wonder, we wouldn't get all, in a way, in a way though, let's back it up we wouldn't get all that jewelry out. They would be like, oh no, we respect it. And we would have all these exhibitions mm-hmm. where you see the dagger, the golden dagger, but you see oh, like a mock-up be, of it 3D printed because be like you can't, and, um, you wouldn't take it out. Con Trino. Yeah. Like they saw his big earrings. He has the gold of valor on right. through CT scans. And then they, you know, you can 3D print it, but you Did can't. Did they 3D print it? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So uh, that's yeah, what you don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. So all the stuff that would have been on Tut's body and we would have his wrappings still. His wrappings would be preserved, though they were all carbonized and yeah. messed up, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, let me say that this most famous of material is the least studied of material because of its fame. And so it stays behind glass cases because it must. And the only time you get to study it is when, you know, accidentally the beard gets ripped off, you know, and you're like, oh shit, we got to put the beard back on and do it right. And there's epoxy there and let's, let's, let's do this properly. And so the tut mask goes off display, it goes into a lab and people are able to quickly, quickly do something. I know like with the movement from old museum to gem. Or of the big outer coffin from the tomb to. They've been doing a lot of conservation. Yes. And so pieces I think too. And a lot of testing for materials, pigments, different kinds of gold signatures, Mm -hmm. portable XRF. But so many of the note cards from Carter for the textiles, again, this is what I was looking at specifically, say like more study needed. Yeah. And that's all you get. And then like no one ever did another study on them. And there'll be like these really interesting pieces. I'm like, oh, like what? Like just no more. (laughs) Here's an example. I was talking with Nick Brown, one of our graduate students here at UCLA. And he's like, I want to do a study of all the Shaktis. I'm like, from an economic perspective and a religious perspective, iconographic perspective, all the things. I'm like, I would love that. But good luck. How are you going to do the wood species analysis? How are you going to do the gold analysis to determine if it's electrum gold or whatever? How are you going to do what the finance is? How, first of all, you have to be a jack of all trades because every material under the sun is used and you can talk about different economic value. That's of interest, right? But good luck getting access to do any of this identification of materials. Especially people I know who get access are Salima and, um, Feldmeyer or whoever does the Feldmeyer, yeah. Christian Ekman, and Selena. Um, Katya Brochat. Um, like, these are the people that get access to those materials. Like, the conservators, yeah. Egyptian conservators who are working on that. But no one, like, yeah, you can't, like, oh, I'm going to study the coffin. Like, yeah. if you went in and we're like, hey, can I say the coffin? They'd be like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so if today, if it was discovered, I think. I think it would be a much slower process. I think, you know, I mean, obviously Carter still went, I think it still took years to clear out the tomb and do everything, but I think it would be even more years if it happened today. It would be many years. I think there'd be a lot of political 
issues going on with you who think? was allowed major issues if it was maybe a foreign mission that found the tomb versus an egyptian mission i can imagine let's go back to 1922 i wouldn't want that <laughs> and imagine stress. today you find the first step whoever finds it and then everyone's like shut it down yeah you're like Skipping. we don't know there's anything there are you gonna are you gonna ruin that step Mm, I'm not sure. Yeah, and like <laughs> so, like under the under night, someone goes and digs up. The I don't. Uh, yeah, it would be there, there. It would be much more political now. Too. Yeah, and like you know, news cameras. Like oh, now we have to open it live on television. And the biggest difference is I that know, Egypt you know, get Discovery Channel in there. Yeah, Egypt in 1922 was a colonial occupation by the British and to some extent the French. And now Egypt is Egypt. And he still, Carter still had to wait. He had the Senate's telegrams. He still had to wait for the ministry to come. But within a European competitor. But I'm saying like, it, even he still had to wait. So yeah. imagine like now. Yeah. Where it'd be like, you have to let all the news agencies know. You have to let the government know. You yeah. have to like do all this yeah. GPR and soundings and all these other things. Make sure you don't collect the air before you open the tomb and all but these. just watching the Egypt political yeah. perfuffles about discoveries and things, it, it would be very political. So, yeah. but yes, things would have been preserved, I think, a little better. Uh, At least the text. I mean, we say that. I think we still kind of, human beings are just still human I beings. think just like processes, we have better. Yeah, we wouldn't pour beeswax all over the Yeah, shit. like it was everything was like, oh, that. Well, can I just say, today, I, I guess see. beeswax, you can like get rid of their solvents for it. Yes, but let me tell you. Yeah. Please let me tell you this. That I go to museums all the time. Oh, yes. And I see so coffins cool. that have just been preserved yeah. or or conserved. And they've taken all the antiquity out of the antiquity. Yeah. And I'm like, are we no better? Yeah. We're no better. So I don't, when you're dealing with plastered, painted, wooden objects, we still suck at conservation and, like, and how like to do shine. that. They put that like shiny, what's it called? Celluloid or whatever? Um, no, uh, paraloid. Paraloid. Yes. And, so yeah, and if you find an object, just leave it alone. And things are repainted cases. and and things are every break is covered with some sort of a yeah, it, glue. They fill in all the gaps. Because like, they're like, oh, we have to stabilize it, which is yes. Yeah. But it's like, where's the there's a fine line, obviously. Mm -hmm. So yeah. But maybe they wouldn't have thrown out some of the textiles. That's true. That's and like decision. when Howard Carter was locked out of the tomb for a year. Yeah. And that beautiful linen mm -hmm. veil that the went veil. over the entire, the pall that went over the whole thing disintegrated and yeah. he threw it away and they kept only the rosettes yeah. that were there at intervals over the whole pall. the garments have all these, you know, little applique, little, you know, I think he calls them daisies. It's uncomfortable to be but, king. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very heavy garments. Um. I see another question in the chat from Katie. Are Tut, Akhenaten, and I the only names left of the king's list? Only, only names left off the king's list or are there others? Well, it depends on the king's list. I mean, if you're including Smenkare, yes. that name is not there. If you're including Ankepare, Nefru, Aten, that name is not there. But, okay, besides the Amarna people, sometimes we have Hatshepsut. Oh, Hatshepsut's not there yeah. in most cases. She's usually left off. That's usually, and then obviously like, you know, minor kings and in the intermediate periods that they would not have known about yeah most 13th dynasty kings yeah. are not on there um but otherwise most ninth 10th dynasty kings are not on yeah. there um and we don't have any great king lists for the third intermediate later, period yeah. so until you get to, one, yeah list. it's formal one until you get to manetho i do mm -hmm. believe so but yeah i don't know if the priests had like more detailed documentation probably otherwise somewhere. manetho could not have written yeah, what down he what is. he did in the fourth century right yeah century so, or fourth century oh, he's fourth. um so yeah so they martyr people and then sometimes mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. she's a woman mm -hmm. okay what other questions do we have Ooh, we'll go to lexi's okay we have lexi's question which is good so what do you guys think happened to the Hittite prince, Zana Zana? Zananza. Zananza. Yeah. Yeah, I typed that wrong. On his way to Egypt. And which one was it? Um, yeah. So we'll give the backstory. What's the backstory of this Hittite prince? Cookies, cookies. cookies. They're really good cookies. Um, okay, so there's a letter. Mm -hmm. How do we have it preserved? It's on cuneiform we tablet? We have the Hittite. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so it's on a cuneiform tablet in Hittite um, from uh, Bogazkoya, well, I guess. In, it's in cuneiform, mm -hmm. but it was found in Turkey. Yeah, in yes. Bogazkoya, yeah. from, yeah. from Hatushash, yes. I believe. Yes. And, um, and it has on there information about an Egyptian queen who is saying, I am here meant to marry my servant. I don't want to marry my servant. Please send one of your sons so that I may marry him instead. Yeah, she's like, oh, my husband died. I'm yes. a widow. Yes. Send me one of your sons and right. he will be king of Egypt. Right. And so this is not found in Egypt. The Egyptians don't write this stuff down. They're not going to write down the real politique. I've mentioned this multiple times in my work that that's not the kind of information the Egyptians give away. Um, instead, they keep everything close to the vest and pre present the ideal, which is one reason we're so attracted to the ancient Egypt. So it all seems so awesome, perfect. And yet we have this Hittite letter that indicates all is not well in the Egyptian court. Well, and it's presumed to be either... Uh, yeah, so who's the queen? The queen's yeah. name is like Dahamsa or something yeah. in the Hittite, which just means like, it, no one's sure exactly what yeah. it means. There's and there's great disagreement. But it's either Nefertiti. Yeah. Or... Ankh Sinamun. Right. And I think most people think it's Ankh Sinamun. Nick Reeves thinks, thinks it's Nefertiti. Nefertiti. Right. Um, Some people think it's Mary Amun. Yes. Yeah. That would be, um, I think, the the um, uh, Gabold slash uh, Dimitri Labrie crowd, who the French school goes for the Mary Amun. And Nick Reeves goes for Nefertiti. And but but a lot of American scholars go for, and the British scholars go for Anka Sanama. So whoever it is, is writing, being like, I'm single now. <laughs> and I don't want to marry, I think most people think it's Anka Sanama because she marries I, and it's like, I don't want to marry my lesser. Yeah. Um, so they connect that with I. And then it's like, send me your son, because he's a royal right. prince, and he sent him to me, and I will marry him, and he will become King of Egypt. And, right. Which is one like weird for an egyptian to do they never marry you know they would never make a foreigner king no nope. so it seems seemingly weird so is it one like a ploy to like kill this prince like a tease or something which the hittite king responds back thinking this and is like wait hold up like what's there's a whole on? correspondence presumed yeah. it's not just one letter he's like right. well, what's going on this is weird like are or is this actually for real? And they're like, yes, yes, send me your son. Totally like, for reals, yeah. Yeah, he will be king of Egypt, blah, 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 blah. And so they they send him on down and he disappears. <laughs> they're like, where the fuck is Zananza? Along the way is, what you know, you done? His, his convoy is. Yeah. And he, he sure has swiped left. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. No Egyptian, no Egyptian princesses. Um, so presumably he was. So you have two options. He, he was either an Egyptian ploy, which I don't know why they would be doing that at the time. What do you mean? Like trying to kill the Hittite? Yeah, like, I mean, right. I guess they're like, you're their, you know, great enemies. And so you're trying to get rid of an option or it was a real thing. And once he came to Egypt, there was a, like. Either way, it speaks to great female power. Or he actually just like on his way, like, I'm sure, it, you know, traveling from turkey to egypt was not a really safe thing to do he could have actually just like died by happen chance and like by bandits or like he got sick yeah and died and like things like that probably happened all the time he wouldn't have gone overland he would have done most of it by boat by boat yeah but he you know boats sunk all the time yes they did he could have got sick something could have happened and so maybe not necessarily like murder <laughs> Or, murder and intrigue but you have it was <laughs> but you have amazing female power yeah. saying please i'm gonna rule this give me the boy and or the son or whatever and i'll be able to handle it and then number two all of a sudden you see the 18th dynasty devolving into a military coup with no female power so mm, suspicious yeah I mean, to me it seems like i don't like, think it was like a, a ploy like oh, i'm so what was me i'm so like no. alone like send me your son i think yeah. it was she was actually trying to like reach out and, and I, I opt no, for Anka Sanama. Yeah, I do too. And that there was no help. So she was like, I'm going to go to somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Um, well, and if you take the whole, like, maybe Nefertiti's foreign, maybe they had connections. Maybe, yeah. Who does that? Who's the, who's well, on the name. Nefertiti foreign side? The one who was called. Ah. Sorry, just, if you can hear the howling dog, that's the neighbor's it's dog. It's my neighbor's dog. I hate my neighbor's dog. Um, 
but I say Nefertiti is a foreign. And ah, so just taking the state of ending of the one, the beautiful one has come means yeah. that and we don't know is... who her family is. No, we don't. So what if like she's from that region and there's like familial connections up there? There's no evidence that know. we make I'm just a like... foreign woman a great royal wife. There's no evidence for it. Love. You have important wives, but not okay, the but great maybe, royal wife. Yeah. Posh. That's what, you know. Yeah. But yes. All right. Our next question, also from Lexi. Oh. Um, so Lexi, I'm going to combine the two <laughs> questions. We have Lexi and Brian. So we're missing certain body parts. Le- Lexi asks, where's the heart? Yes. And then Brian asks, where's his penis? <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of this episode. Where's Tut's penis? Um, missing heart, missing well, penis. Well, apparently Zahi, in the Tut conference, we have, from Intel, we had, who were there, was very proudly stated in his in his lecture that he found Tut's penis. Okay, so we start with penis. Sure. Start with penis. The penis as found by Howard Carter was on the body, attached to the body, in the erect position, Stopped. mummified as so. That's pretty awesome embalming, in my opinion. That's like props to those embalmers who were like, we can do this. Yeah, well, right? it goes against the whole, like, oh, it was a rush burial, and like they did a crappy job. And it's like, well, they... They stuffed yeah. his member. <laughs> like, that doesn't seem very rushed to they me. They did do that. Um, there came a point, nobody knows when, that the penis popped off and was actually rediscovered in the sarcophagus, like, under... like just next to it. Yeah. So and it was lost for It was time. always there. You know, it was close. It was close. But hiding under him. Yes. So that's the thing with the penis. The penis is not really that much of a story, but, you know. The press jumped on it. It's super fun. Zahi owns it. Okay, fine. Zahi found it again. Yeah. The heart, much more complicated, much more perplexing. So would hearts normally be removed during mummification? Jordan, hells no. The heart would never be removed during mummification because the heart is the seat of the intellect, the soul, the memory, everything. You got to weigh that shit with Ahmet, like waiting to like eat it. If if you're not like going to pass the scales and, it's serious. You must have your heart. So there are multiple theories. I'm going to give a more outlandish one first. Okay. So there is Ben, Ben Herrer's theory, who claims that Tut was hunting hippos. And as he's on his hippomotive, I mean, I'm sure they could find some hippos. If Amenhotep III could find lions to hunt, then Tut could find hippos to hunt if he wanted. Okay. Maybe so you're out with the guys and you're hunting hippos. And maybe your hippos like, caged and then they're yeah. like they release the hippo and then you know let the king like go and kill the hippo whatever but it yeah. goes horribly wrong like a gladiator whatever so he gets chomped in half with by the hippo and thus the heart is crushed and he actually like says look you can see the line and they had to the embalmers had to cut it and it's this whole thing about getting eaten by the hippo but the trauma to his heart was so bad that they just threw threw it away and i feel like they would have made him like a fake heart or something I agree with you, Archie. They stuffed his penis. They made fake Going toes. Back to that. They made, fake, they made toes. fake toes. They stuffed his penis. Some people say the stuffed penis is because of the lack of a heart. Ah. Because you don't have your heart. You get a super penis. But anyway. So the the next option. And I think I've dated him. What? What? You think you've dated him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So many of us have dated him. Um some of us married him, unfortunately, but we got out of that. Ah, so it's okay. no. We're good. Um, so the the other option, which I think is the more favorite option, the most recent one, is that heart was not removed in ancient times. The heart was removed in modern times, and that is to take a, to take the jewelry that was found mm-hmm. at Howard Carter's house mm-hmm. that was in that's yeah. in the Met mm-hmm. that Gabold has just He's written about. And please do a search for jewelry stolen gobbled and you'll get, you'll go down this yes, rabbit like, hole. Uh, the Kansas City, the Atkins. There's, it's in all the, kinds of different, the there's all kinds of different collections that have this material. And some of it is in, was in Carnarvon's co- co- collection. Do you think collection. they like ripped the yes. cage off, his rib cage when they were, because yes. it was all glued down with tar and, and stuff. And they kind of just like ripped it off. If you talk to a bioarchaeologist yeah. who looks at how the rib cage was cut, it was cut with precision with mm-hmm. a surgical scissor type yeah. thing. So many would argue today that his heart is not there because Carter ate all. No, it wasn't. I mean, may have been shriveled, but it was connected to beautiful things. 
And so they just got rid of it. And because they were taking those objects themselves and because they hadn't photographed them and they hadn't appeared in any photos, they could take them with impunity. Those things disappeared into the art market. Money was made and things were kept in secret. And the heart was surgically cut away. Because part of the agreement with the Egyptian government at the time was that everything was to stay in Egypt. Yeah different than normal partage rules, yeah. which was usually a, you know, split half, yeah. half. But for this, in this case, it was everything was to stay in Egypt. Yeah. So, so this is the best theory. Off. This is the best theory. And the there's a new release of letters written by Sir Alan Gardner, who wrote to Carter and said, in a in a stern well, uh, remonstrating him, voice don't yeah. do this well carter sent him stuff to translate he's yeah. like why do you have this yeah. in, Lon- in england like yeah. you took this from and he's like i'm not translating this like i know what you did yeah but, yeah and that's your smoking gun yeah. so you have gardner uh lecturing carter on having taken things mm-hmm. that he shouldn't have taken and these are very precious and um uh golden things that are found on the art market and in these museums what better place to put them than right here and yeah, yeah, Carter's not impervious to to the times, exactly. Well, and they found pieces in Lord Carnarvon's house and Absolutely. stuff as well. So mm-hmm. little tiny things that, you know, I'm sure that they had doubles of and maybe triples of. Were there were just so many things that like, who's going to notice this? Yeah. And you know what? No one noticed it until now. And those, those articles are recently written. And people yeah. are just figuring this shit out. So... If we actually had access to all of those pieces and were able to bring our full scientific force onto all of those pieces, just think of what we could learn. But instead, we're going to look at them through glasses. Yeah. Well, and just like how it took many years for Carter and and at, at all to clear the tomb. You know, after the initial like, oh my god, it's a tomb with all this stuff that died away, and they had just years there. You could probably have easily secreted things away, and like no one was watching you, and you know, checking up on these things. So, yeah. So. Maybe that's probably the heart. Okay, um, let's see what other questions we have. Um, okay, so Kristen asks, what evidence do we have for Tut as an individual? You know, are there records or accounts that demonstrate his personality? Since he died so young, I was wondering to what extent we can separate him from the other people with his court and actors. Which I think we've talked about, right? It's His reign was probably not his reign. It was, you know, I and other high elites. But I mean, I think these little glimpses of you know, stuff where him and Anka Sanamun are like playing a board game and they have two children that are were still born, but they mm-hmm. obviously spent time together and had babies and yeah. Um you know, yeah. grew up at grew up at Amarna. So you can picture if you you know, you recreate those palaces that have those beautiful gardens and um he would have grown up at Amarna. Yeah. And presumably, I mean the whole new hypothesis of how he died was like breaking his leg and then he he got an infection in his leg wound and however that happened if he was doing something active so i mean i i think those of you who have read my first book the woman who would be king you you know i'll say right out the egyptians don't keep diaries they don't gossip and write it down there is no way to know what people's personalities were like they're not going to record that everything is idealized and perfected yeah however as you just pointed out you're dealing with a boy who grew up with a religion in a potentially toxic place where everything was falling apart, where they had to make a big shift. He was born into a shift. And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, we got to go back. We got to go back to Memphis, Thebes, Heliopolis. Like, we have to go back to the old ways. How old was he when all of this was going down? Like six, seven. He's yeah. like, this is his bewildering state. Yeah. That's like growing right, up. become like conscious of like outside things happening. Right. You know, like six. He grew up with trauma. Mm-hmm. And he grew up with great change. He grew up losing his home. He grew up with um, a mother. We don't know who his mother was. Yeah, which is Lexi's other question was the DNA studies. And yeah. who's the study says it's the younger lady. Who's that? Is it Kia? Everyone thinks that's the mom of Kia. The fact that he doesn't name her and can't name her is interesting in and of itself and yeah. speaks to a trauma for him, in yeah, a sense, arguably. Or was killed or... I mean, you know my theory. My theory that I put in When Women Ruled the World is that Tutankhamun's mother was one of Akhenaten's daughters and that Nefertiti was his grandmother. And we know that Akhenaten married two of his daughters and that he had children with two of those daughters. Why couldn't one of those children not have been Tutankhamun? Tutankhamun's DNA shows that he's the product of incest. But then Ankh Sanamun would be his aunt that he married? Yes. 
But she is around his same age though, right? No, she's older. She's a little older. Okay. She's older. Um, just that that you said right there is trauma. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so let's bring in some of that ancestral trauma. Um, it may be normal when you're living in yeah, that world you know. and yet it's still trauma. And um, so I don't, I don't think things would have been all happy and lovely. I think this was a boy who was told what to do, where to sit, how to act, well, what I to mean, be. Everyone's older than him. Everyone, and he's like this yeah. important little body. His sister is much older than him, related to him. And then you have these men coming in who are controlling the situation um, they're meant to have these children. Well, I mean, He's probably having sex too young. Who knows? This is not, yeah. how do we understand what too young is for the ancient world? And then these stillbirths are, are more trauma. I don't think it was a happy life. Well, and say if it is Ankhus and Amun's older, a little bit more wise and in control. And she's writing to the Hittites being like, send me someone to marry. Yeah. It's that my I, who she might be related to uh, too. My servant. Like my yeah. little brother. These are my options. And then the Hittite prince gets killed. And then she's like, all right, well, I guess I'm marrying my little brother. And like, like. It could be Ankhus and Amun either when she's supposed to marry her brother, Tutankhamun, or it could be Ankhus and Amun when Tutankhamun has died. Yeah. I think it makes more sense since she's saying servant that it's when Tutankhamun has died. Yes. But either way is a a shit show. And in the mid 18th dynasty, Ankhus and Amun would have been able to rule in her own right. With, as without, the leader of state without all of this masculine military intervention. And I will also bring up um, some of the new Bob Breyer. He has a new book coming out on Tut. Everyone has a new book. Yes. There's like a bajillion books on yeah. Tut right now. Yeah. But his his interesting argument that's new is the whole looking, re-looking at some of the x-ray stuff. And, you know, I'm sure you've heard that Tut's had a club foot and all these medical disabilities and things like that. And he was saying that you know if you look at the actual x-rays that they have that's actually debatable now right and that maybe he wasn't i mean i think they all had like scoliosis and cleft palates and things like that because they were so ancestral but um how disabled he was and like the whole club foot i don't know if you've seen that like nat geo depiction of him where he just looks like they made him look so sad and it's the worst reconstruction like, of a human body there ever was. We, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, so link. but like, so the weather, like how, you know, what he actually looked like and what his lived experience was, I think everyone tries to recreate and make a statement on like, oh, he's disabled. So he was like sitting in those chairs and that's what all the sticks and staves are for and all this kind of stuff. But he is shown um, with canes a lot more than any other yes. king now. So he really you know, is this debate back and forth even if that one is a fake. modern fake yeah. even if that one there's a whole lot of others that yeah. show him with his canes so oh. yeah it's interesting uh, so james patterson's novel the mortal of king tut is surprising fun i don't know i've seen that book i've just never read it lexi but that's fun to think about um so i think we're at time um but this was so lovely and it went by so fast it was super fun it's always fun talking yeah, live the questions you didn't get to you can do next time yeah, yeah any questions we didn't get to or if you have follow-up questions or things like that we'll make sure to answer in december's um q a yeah um we already have that on the books the dog is a question the dog is howling <laughs> hopefully you can't see him brian i see your cat's tail that's sweet kitties are so much better because they don't howl like that <laughs> um but thank you all for for stopping by we'll stay on for a couple of minutes if anyone has any last minute things to say but uh we really appreciate um your support through our our patreon and so and we wanted they have about how we do these yeah any feedback um if you liked the theme this time of tut or in the past when we did these they were kind of open forum so if you liked having a theme we could keep doing that um we also i think as many of you know have the sub stack and so um, hopefully you are a subscriber to that. So we would love to get your feedback on that. We're trying to do more of Substack. And there's a whole new feature that Substack's doing where it's like a chat feature where we can be a little bit more interactive. I think similar to the Discord in a way, but um, I think it's trying to, you know, Twitter, since Twitter's Twitter's out now, um, <laughs> I think Substack is trying to, to bring in more of a feed like that uh, feature. So an entertaining death yes we still have it we talked about getting rid of it but we're using it mainly just for you know advertising <laughs> things i deleted my personal um but we're still gonna still i want to watch the flames yeah <laughs> i'm so, here for it <laughs> so you can tell me about it then 
um but yeah we appreciate you all and like thank you so much for supporting us and um and stopping by on your friday to to chat um it really means a lot and yeah i hope you have a good rest of your friday and have a good weekend yes happy veterans day make sure you sleep yes sleep is important thank you all (laughs) thank you thank you thank you Thank you to our listeners for your support and for subscribing wherever you listen. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with others and leave us a five-star review. Send us your questions related to the show and topic suggestions for future episodes to karakuni at gmail.com. You can find the show notes in the podcast section of my website, karakuniegyptologist.com. For that, thank you, Amber Myers-Wells. There you'll also find info on my books and upcoming lectures. While you're there, don't forget to sign up for my newsletter to keep up on the latest news and content from me. Check out the conversations that happen after the podcast mic is turned off by subscribing to our Substack After Lives After Party. You can find me on Facebook at Karakuni Egyptologist and on Twitter and Instagram at Karakuni. See you next time on After Lives with Karakuni.